Welcome to EOB Spotlight, presented by Economic Opportunity Board. In this podcast, we aim to provide more resources and answers to help achieve success. Today on our show, we have Don Jensen, Directing Attorney from Nevada Legal Services, talking to us about the end of the eviction moratorium and other tips as we recover from the impact of COVID-19. So, hello, my name is Dawn Jensen. I'm the Directing Attorney at the Las Vegas Nevada Legal Services. Nevada Legal Services is a traditional legal aid organization. We're a statewide organization. So we have several several different little little spots, little offices. The two largest ones um, are one is in Las Vegas and one is in Reno. And then we have a couple other smaller ones, but I I work in the Las Vegas office. How long have you been the Las Vegas office then? I worked here for just about 10 years, just a little bit less than 10 years. I started off as a staff attorney here. And then I was eventually promoted to senior attorney and then finally promoted to directing attorney about two years ago. So I've been in this office for quite some time. What services does your company provide? So we do very traditional legal aid work, meaning that we are, we're, we're restricted from assisting low income only. So you have to be low income mm-hmm. for us to provide services to you. If you do qualify for us and you are low income and you come to our office, our services are completely free. They're 100% free. We don't charge any legal fees whatsoever. Um, As far as the subject matters, we do very traditional legal aid work, but I would say at this moment in time, our two most popular categories are housing, which encompasses evictions, you know, private landlord tenant issues, subsidized housing issues, but evictions are on the rise, obviously. So lots of people coming to us for evictions. And then unemployment is another thing. We, we help with a, a, a smattering of benefit denials like food stamp denials, um, unemployment denials. But right now, of course, given COVID and the recent situation, unemployment denials are a huge issue for us. Let's jump back to a very pressing subject, evictions. Do I see it being extended? I don't know if I, 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 initially I didn't think it would be at all. I've heard a few whisperings that there's, you know, and I don't know if it's hope or if it's actually really something that's gonna, that's gonna occur, but um, there's definitely nothing solid yet suggesting that the moratorium is going to be extended. If it's not, um, I personally think based on my experience, the landlords are not going to waste any more time the second that they can move forward with certain types of evictions against certain types of people, they, they will. So they'll be a glut again. I think one of the most important things that I like to let people know if they think that they're, they're gonna be in that situation is there's, a, there's several different ways an eviction can start to happen. But the first thing that you should get and the first thing that's required by the law is an eviction notice. And so there's different types of notices and some of them are valid and some of them aren't, but you should get some sort of eviction notice. And if it's a typical seven day pay rent or quit notice, one for not paying your rent, let's say, um, you have a very short time frame 
in which you can respond to that notice. And what that does is preserve your right to a hearing in court. And I always encourage people, some people know, I didn't pay my rent, I couldn't pay my rent. And it's just the unfortunate financial situation that they're in. But go ahead and answer that notice anyways and get your day in court because you never know, you may be able to come up with the money before the court hearing and you might be able to get this resolved. And a couple other things could be true. There could be defenses that exist in your case that you're not even aware of. So my recommendation is if anybody receives any kind of eviction notice to either come to legal aid, any kind of legal aid establishment can um, help with that. We have a self-help center in our courthouse that can also help to guide you a little bit. You can come to our office, you can go to other establishments, you can research online. But when you get a notice, try to figure out what kind of notice you got and see if it tells you that you have a time frame in which you have to respond. And if it tells you that, no respond within that time frame and that no. will guarantee your right to a hearing. Can you give an overview of the eviction process and what to expect? Um, evictions, what, what we call summary eviction in Nevada, it works pretty quickly. It works pretty quickly, even with the moratorium in place and all of the, uh, the volume of evictions, it still moves pretty quickly. So when you get the notice, if you file a response, typically it depends on whether the landlord files the next document that they have to file. But if they do, if they move forward and file a complaint, an eviction hearing will usually be scheduled within a week or two. Within a week or two, you're going to have an eviction hearing. And when you go to the eviction hearing, some of them are being conducted um, by like a teleconference system, and some of them are being conducted in person. You can go in person to an eviction hearing. It is possible the courts are open for that. Each court's kind of doing its own thing, but eviction court, it is open for, um, you know, walk-ins. People can come in in person to those hearings. Um, and then at the hearing itself, things also move pretty quickly. They call cases one after another. Um, you never know when yours is going to be called. So you want to make sure you're there on time for whatever hearing date and time you have. You want to make sure you're there on time because you could be the first case or you could be the 15th case. You never know. And then when you get up in front of the judge, you know, you, you don't have a whole lot of time to explain your situation, but you, you will have that opportunity and it's well worth it for you to be able to explain to the judge what's going on. Um, but that's it. And then if the judge decides that there is grounds for eviction, typically what will happen after that is the judge will let you know at your hearing what he's deciding. You don't get something in the mail. They'll let you know right then and there at the hearing what they're going to do. And if they grant an eviction, the notice is sent to a constable and soon thereafter, I would say within a couple of days, you're going to get what's called a 24 hour lockout notice. And when you get that notice, it's just what it sounds like. It's a 24 hour notice letting you know that they're going to be locking you out of the unit. So, um, so things all in all can happen in a matter of a couple of weeks from when you get that notice. So it's not a whole lot of time to <laughs> make preparations. This is, of course, if your eviction is um, due to a failure to pay rent. Due to COVID, many people are facing evictions who have never been in this situation before, and court may be very intimidating. Any suggestions on how to prepare for that? Well, um, yeah, sure. There's, like I said, one of the most, what I always tell people, even when, you know, I'm assisting them in court, I always tell them, make sure you're there on time. 
Um, make sure you actually arrive with a little bit of time in advance, allow yourself a little wiggle room because especially now the courts are super busy. They're very overwhelmed. The parking is full. The elevators take a long time. Uh, security takes a while to get through. So, you know, don't show up five minutes before your hearing because, you know, you should have at least 15, 20 minutes before your hearing time is even going to start. And then you should be at the courthouse already. Um, when you get to the courthouse, the RJC in downtown Las Vegas has a, a little desk right in the center of the main floor and they can help you and kind of direct you on where to go if you're not sure. But check your hearing notice that comes in the mail and that'll tell you where you're supposed to be. Um, it tells you what courtroom you're supposed to go to and your time and your date. Um, so make sure you pay attention to that hearing notice and follow the instructions that are on there. Um, and then when you're actually waiting in the courtroom, um, just kind of basic common sense, uh, court courtesy, you know, make sure that you, they don't allow hats. If you have small children, if you have, you really should try to not bring your children with you. So, you know, cause it could be a long wait for them. They could get really bored. But if you do have to bring your child with you, it's a good idea to bring someone else with you so that they can watch your child while you go up and talk to the judge. Um, and then, you know, just try to dress appropriately. You know, first impressions go a long way and <laughs> it's just human nature to base certain things based on your appearance and how you come across sometimes. So, you know, make sure that you look presentable and dress appropriately for a courthouse. And um, when you get up there in front of a judge, you, you know, you just really want to tell, tell them what's going on. Just, just be honest and and try to get right to the point. Um, if you did, if there is something more going on, like maybe you didn't pay your rent, but maybe there's a habitability issue going on and maybe that's why you didn't pay your rent, you know, break, break down your most important facts, try to tell things in a chronological order, that always helps a lot, and bring all of your proof with you. So if you have text messages, if you have pictures of the unit that you think help substantiate what you're saying, um, bring copies of all of that with you. One of the things that I like to recommend, it's sometimes hard for people to do, but if it's possible, when it comes to electronic documentation or electronic evidence, try to print it out. So if you have emails that went back and forth between you and a landlord or text messages that went back and forth between you and the landlord, maybe about the rent or about problems with the unit, try to print those out and bring them to court with you so that the judge can look at them in, in written form. That is an excellent point. I know here at EOB, we encourage people to give their landlords a CDC declaration. Yeah, if you did provide, yeah, for, at this time, while the moratorium was going on, we, we were telling people to be sure that uh, people were giving the declaration at various stages in their eviction process. So we had advised them to bring a copy of that with them and bring a copy of the proof of the mailing or however you provided it to the landlord, bring proof of that with you. Um, but yeah, as the moratoriums come to an end, then that'll be a little bit less relevant. But, and like I said, there are there is a website associated with the court that's really helpful in learning whether there's other defenses and there's other things to say when you receive an eviction and it also depends on what kind of eviction notice you're getting. So if you go to the um, Civil Law Self-Help Center website affiliated with the courthouse, there's a lot of information on there about the defenses that are available to different types of evictions. You might not get 
accused of not paying your rent, you might be facing an eviction because of a lease violation, or maybe the landlord has given you a nuisance notice. And um, there's different defenses to that. So there's, you know, you, you may have something else to say that can be helpful to you in court. Um, like I said, you can also always try to seek out some legal guidance. Um, typically, legal aid organizations are the ones who give advice on evictions. There's also assistance available within the courthouse. There, there's a self-help center in the courthouse that's not affiliated with our office. That's part of the courthouse. Okay. But our office does have a unique, um, a unique department. It's called the Tenants' Rights Center. So the Tenants' Rights Center at Nevada Legal Services is a special division. It's a special little department within our office where we have advocates who help with only private landlord tenant matters all day, every day, that those advocates don't assist on other legal matters like the other attorneys do in our office. They purely advise and assist, um, it's called self-help. They help them with documents, what to file, all those things with um, landlord tenant issues. So all day long, those advocates answer questions and help people fill out the appropriate documents and look at their information and help them assess their cases with all kinds of things like habitability problems, um, eviction matters, um, people who think that they've been illegally locked out by their landlord, they come to the Tenants' Rights Center. Um, we, well, there's also a process by which you can seal evictions. A lot of people come to our office for that. It's a pretty easy thing to do. And the advocates at the TRC can help show you how to do that and, and help you fill out the appropriate forms so that you can try to seal an eviction if you have an old eviction on your record. That service in particular, I think will be really helpful in the months to come. Because unfortunately, given the financial situation a lot of people were put in due to COVID, losing their jobs and, and such a high, high level of unemployment. Some people are, they, they just couldn't pay their rent um, and they just, they don't have a defense. There's really, it's a, it's a difficult eviction to try to defeat. So they're gonna get evictions on their record and it's gonna happen. Um, dealing with the eviction itself is one thing. Once you get past that and once you get relocated and readjusted, um, it would be my recommendation that you try to get the eviction sealed off your records so that when you try to find new places that doesn't keep coming up and scarring you and prohibiting you from getting a new place. It's very easy to do and we do it at our office all the time. We have a special clinic set up for it so that you can just come to the clinic, learn how to do it and it's, it's very easy to do on your own. That's a great tip. What exactly is that process? Um, well, coming to our office is, you know, pretty easy. You just come to our office, fill out an intake. We make sure you qualify and we schedule you. We have clinics every other week. So we schedule you for the next available clinic. Um, you spend about an hour with an advocate who shows you how to do it and sends you the forms on what should be filled out. The forms are very, very easy, but the advocate will help you make sure you fill it out the right way. Then you take that to the courthouse, you file it. And one of two things can happen. Well, one of three things can happen. Either the judge can decide that there's, you did not lay forth um, sufficient grounds and he can deny it, which you would find out, I would say within a week of filing it. 
or the judge can feel that there is something that he would like to hear about on this. He can set it for a hearing and then you come into the hearing and explain why your eviction should be sealed. And then the judge makes a decision at that hearing and the hearing would probably be a week, a week and a half out as well. Or the judge can automatically grant your motion to seal and send an order saying, yep, we're gonna seal this absolutely and immediately take it off your record. And I would say all of those decisions, those three different decisions, you would get some kind of feedback within a week to a week and a half of the time that you file the, the document with the court. So it's pretty quick. As we look to recovery in future, what other recommendations do you have to help our listeners get back on their feet? That's tricky. My personal opinion is um, that would be one thing. I think mm -hmm. that if you, if you are one of those people who unfortunately incurred an eviction in Vegas, um, during the time of COVID, try to get your eviction sealed. Um, there is a process by which you can try to do that. It's not hard to do. Our office is more than happy to help with that. Or if you can't come to our office, just Google it and try to do it on your own. The other thing is, and what I think we haven't seen the full extent of yet, is the long-term financial consequences for people. So during this time, I imagine a lot of people were borrowing a lot of money and you know, doing a lot of things to try to make ends meet that are gonna come back and not be so good for them in the near future. There might be a lot of debt collection issues. There might be some credit issues. There may be some bankruptcies that might be um, something that becomes an option that people will have to think about in the near future. And if that's the case, you know, then um, you, you want to get legal assistance, of course, before you, especially if you think that maybe you have to file a bankruptcy due to anything that you fell behind on, but um, you want to get legal guidance first, but that is something to think about. And I think that there will be resources available for helping people with that. Um, sometimes bankruptcy can actually be a good thing for you. Sometimes it's not such a good thing, but um, that should be made on an individual assessment. And same thing with debt collection. Um, it really will depend upon how much people borrowed and what their ability is to pay back. But I will say this, one thing is to put your best foot forward is if you did go into debt during this, it's always best to try to get involved in some sort of payment plan on anything that you do owe on rather than to stop paying altogether. So if there's some way to get back on track by setting up payment plans on things that you owe for um, and, and make it affordable that you can actually do it, then that would be a recommendation as well. You mentioned earlier that you can assist with unemployment. There's, there was certainly an effort to try to provide people additional benefits and this PUA, which is a benefit that was provided through the federal government um, as a secondary type of unemployment benefit was certainly a nice idea. And for those who are receiving it, it's, <laughs> it's great. However, um, the unfortunate thing is, is we have seen dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people every week, every month coming to our office for the last year who filed their claims many months ago and still are not getting their benefits. It's very, very frustrating for these people and I feel very sorry for them because a lot of them have done what they're supposed to have done 
to get those benefits and they just have to sit and wait. And when they come to us, they think that we, you know, they think we have some hidden secret and they think we have the quick answer to get everything paid up to them. Unfortunately, in many of these PUA cases where people filed a claim and haven't gotten their money yet, they filed appeals and those appeals have to work themselves through the process. Hang in there, don't give up on it and don't give up what you should have gotten. You know, it's just taking way longer than anybody ever anticipated. And there's no real ways to bypass that under most circumstances. But I also recommend do not give up on the fact that you are entitled to some unemployment while this all occurred and just hang in there until you get that appeals date. People should be getting appeals hearings so that they can sit before a referee, explain why they're entitled to PUA or unemployment, and then get a decision which says yay or nay. Um, it's just taking a very, very long time for that to happen. But do not give up on it and don't give up your rights and hang in there and make that process continue to go through until you've gotten that decision. Um, because there's a lot of people who I think are entitled to it. I think they will get it. I think they're just stuck in this enormous glut of cases that are incredibly delayed. I mean, delayed much more than I ever thought that they would be. I mean, I, I never would have dreamed that people last summer would still be waiting for their benefits now. And mm. they are, they really are. And it, like I said, it's not that I really think that they're not entitled to them. I, I don't think that's the problem at all. I think they just haven't gotten to the stage in the process yet where the unemployment office is looking at their particular case and reaching a decision. Yeah, they're just there's that many of them. So, but it's very, um, very. To wrap it up, any other advice or wisdom you think would be beneficial to share? One thing that I would remind people is, um, do research things, do Google things, because there's a ton of, you know, resources and information out there for people. You just have to kind of look for it sometimes. Um, for example, and sometimes people don't know what to do when they see something on their credit that, you know, they don't feel is true. It's really easy to dispute things on your credit report. You can also get free credit reports at certain websites. Um, certain little things like that, you know, just feel free to visit our website or feel free to visit you know, any of the court's websites and search around because there's a ton of information out there that can be helpful to people. And you don't need the assistance of a lawyer for these things, you really don't. You, there's a lot of things you can do on your own to educate yourself on how to you know, not only know your rights, but also maybe to take action that's beneficial to you. So, um, and well, like I said, you can certainly visit website like ours and any legal aid organizations have tons of information on them that's helpful to people so that you can really hopefully keep the legal process out of your life. <laughs> it's not really anything that you, you don't really want to have to go to a lawyer. So it's better if you could do things on your own, if at all possible. So um, our website is www.nlslaw.net um, and you could just go there and and let your search guide you and see what else you could find that's helpful to you. And then people are always welcome to come to our office and see if they qualify for our services. You are doing online intake as well? Yes, if you go to our website, we do have an online intake link so that you can actually get your intake started right, right there online. And then it will get submitted in-house and somebody will process it 
usually within a day or two, you get processed, maybe three, depending on how backlogged we are. But um, yeah, we have an online intake process and you can also do your intake by phone. Our, our Las Vegas office is open to the public now. We just reopened to the public, but we're only letting limited people in and we have limited employees in at any one time. So, um, but you can come in person and fill out an intake the old fashioned paper way. Uh, you can call our office at 702-386-0404 and you can do an intake uh, by phone or you can go to our website at www.nlslaw.net and do an online intake over our website. Do you also provide bilingual assistance for those who speak Spanish primarily? We can accommodate that. So we, we deal with it all the time. So our intake specialist is bilingual as well. So whatever they feel more comfortable with, you can still do it online if you like, but um, if you feel more comfortable going through it with her in, in Spanish, then we can certainly do that. We have other uh, resources available too. If you, if you speak another language, we can, we can accommodate that. This was so great learning more about what listeners can do to help themselves and learning about your services. I'll ask a final question. What so far is the most rewarding part of your day at work? Well, I would say it's funny. Just this morning, I had this thought. I have, um, I'm currently pregnant, expecting my second child. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So, but I also have a two and a half year old daughter and I work full time with my daughter. I've been bringing her wherever I work, whether I'm working at home or whether I'm in my office, she's with me. And I think that for a lot of parents out there, I will say this today, I was getting her ready and I, you know, it's exhausting. It's very tiring when you're dealing with what COVID has presented um, as a parent and as a worker, <laughs> having work responsibilities and having parent responsibilities, it's been very, very hard to juggle the two of them at one time. But I think in all honesty, what parents should keep in mind and what, what makes me have a good day despite all the challenges is I'm probably going to miss her when she goes back into school full time. <laughs> and I will probably feel like I'm missing something at work when I don't have her with me. So I think COVID has presented me an unusual opportunity to spend a pretty extraordinary amount of time with my child on a day-to-day -day basis that wouldn't have happened if it had not been for COVID. And I think that for parents who, I, I know how hard it has been so hard. It's so hard dealing with your children, you know, uh, with homeschooling and little ones who aren't in school and keeping them safe from COVID and continuing to work. It's been so, so hard, but I would say that is one of the thoughts that makes it not so bad is I just realize as much of a curse as COVID seems to be at times, I think it provided me an extraordinary opportunity to parent and work at my job at the same time. And I think I'm actually going to miss it when I send her back to school. So that's, you know, that's my positive note as much as it is. Um, it'll be nice to get some good sleep, but it will, yeah, it's, it's, um, it was pretty extraordinary that I got to spend this kind of time with her. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. so much for listening with us today and we hope you enjoyed learning more about how Nevada Legal Services can help you. We'll see you soon.